And now, Nurse Talk, where laughter's the best medicine. Brought to you by the California Nurses Association and National Nurses United. Here are your hosts, Casey Hobbs and Shane Mason. Today, from the 10th robing room, where I keep many of my queenly treasures. My sonic scepter, my <laughs> balloon crown for use at children's parties. And my magic mirror for telling me who is the fairest in the land. Still me. <laughs> now, this week, those funny little men at the FA have been in touch. They're planning England's World Cup-winning victory parade. <laughs> and they've asked me to keep my diary free on July the 9th for an official reception. So, let's just see what I can do. Ah. Ah, oh, now that could be tricky, you see, because that's the day of the RAF's formation pig fly past. <laughs> Plus, in the afternoon, I'll be marrying George Clooney. Um, after which, I welcome Elvis back from the moon. <laughs> oh, but, um, actually, could be no problem, because, uh, evidently, the week before, I discover the secret of time travel on a state visit to Narnia. <laughs> so, thank f- for that. <laughs> Welcome to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. I'm Casey Hobbs. And I'm Shane Mason. And we are two of the thousands of nurses on duty today. Shane, that was the Queen of England prior to a recent announcement about her finances being in shambles. Mm-hmm. They say a bad economy hits the wealthy long after it hits the middle working class. It's so true, Casey, and it was quite a surprise to hear that, well, the Queen may have taken her eye off the ball, so to speak. It seems a recent it. parliamentary report revealed that the Queen's finances are far from healthy, with the Royal Reserve Fund for Emergencies down to its last $1.6 million. Ooh, now, 39% of the royal estate remains in disrepair. That's a little mis- misleading because 10% of that is Kate's uterus. And, well, that's what happens when you knock up your wife. You that's know? what happens when you have a baby. It's, well, the queen is very frugal, and members of her staff anonymously report that she runs around in the evening turning off lights, yelling, turn off those damn lights. Were you born in a cave? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds a little Irish. Uh, she might have taken Ireland a trip also. through Ireland for a wee minute. So, Shane, <laughs> that leads me to believe this financial mess isn't the queen's fault. It's just the staff that might be slacking. Yeah, that's right. But it seems a shame. We're talking about someone who received $51 million last year for hosting teas as another victim of the harsh economies of both the U.S. and the U.K. So I think we ought to put this in a little bit of perspective. I agree. That's why you and I did some research on the toll our U.S. economy has taken on Americans, on millions of Americans. We found the Swanson family in Topeka, Kansas. Why did we find the Swansons? Let's check them out. <laughs> we got a photo of the Swansons, Because they're just... Yeah, uh, there they are. <laughs> So <clears throat> we could use them as a comparison to the queen and put this into perspective. So let's compare the two situations. <laughs> so the value of the queen's home is $250 million. The value of the Swanson's home is 146000 but that's before they went underwater with their mortgage. So now it's nothing. Queen's income, $51 million, sizable. Swanson's income prior to Bud being laid off, 43000 The Queen's weekly grocery budget is $56,000. Wow, yeah. just for groceries. Yeah, yeah. The Swanson's weekly grocery budget, and this is prior to Bud's layoff, is 150 bucks, but now it's $70 a week plus $40 worth of food stamps. 
which you can't buy lottery tickets with food stamps. That's, so that's right. Well, that's the minus there. $10 they take out for food stamps. I mean, for uh, the lottery tickets. Queen's healthcare coverage, no deductible, 100% coverage, and the hospital and staff are located in her home. Nice. Swanson's healthcare coverage, family coverage with 2000 deductible through Bud's job before he got laid off, now no coverage, and he can't afford COBRA. Now, both families, of course, are seeking remedies to their respective situations. So what are the, uh, the Queen's budget cutbacks? Turn down the heat in the East Wing, sell off 10 cars out of the fleet of 40, and trim the staff from 700 to 650 and keep the darn lights off. Good. What's the Swanson's budget? So their home went into foreclosure, so they don't have any more mortgage payments. So that's Woo! Good. That's a weight off their mind. Now they're living in the motorhome, so they're going to save on property taxes, and they just applied for Obamacare, and they're keeping their fingers crossed that no one gets sick until they get it. Please pray. So, Shane, do you know the moral of this story? Yeah, we should stick to nursing and not storytelling. <laughs> That's so true. So anyway, we do wish the Swansons well and think they should move to London and see if they can rent a room in the Royal Palace because the Queen's dying for money right, right now. Right, in the East Wing where it's nice and cool. <laughs> Shane, switching gears, we have a great show today. And if you're watching us on live stream at www.nursetalksite.com, join us with a tweet to hashtag at Nurse Talk or on Facebook or at Nurse Talk. On today's show, two very tenacious and inventive nurses talk about leading their fellow nurses and hospital administrators to the bargaining table in Orlando, Florida. I wonder how they led them there. RN's Sarah Lasher and Sarah Collins said they were alarmed when they saw a massive exodus of experienced nurses leaving work in other hospitals, leaving for work in other hospitals after their hospital, Winnie Palmer. That name is probably. I know Winnie for Palmer me. from Orlando. <laughs> she gave me Pest Plantis a few years ago, but we'll talk about it at the end of the, sec- in the fourth segment. I don't know that she could give you that. But anyway, we started. they started making serious cuts that endangered patient care. They knew, they knew they needed to take action. That's right, Casey. Sometimes you have to step up and lead, and that's what these two nurses did. It's remarkable, actually. Later in the show, our Affordable Care Act expert and health care for all advocate Donna Smith will be with us. Donna will talk about the latest news about the ACA and about her personal experience with her new insurance plan, which she got through the ACA. Donna is fighting a personal battle with cancer and has waged long and hard battles with her insurance companies to get them to pay for part of her care. And of course, Fit Happens with Joni Greggins, Health Trivia, and we'll answer your email questions later on. Shane, it's no secret that sometimes when we nurses and doctors chart, well, we write things that might not be grammatically correct or even understandable to the human species. Not that I've never done that. Never. But somehow, some way, our charts are interpreted by our fellow workers. Here are some funny medical quotes taken from medical charts. No names or locations are attached. So the first one... The patient had waffles for breakfast and anorexia for lunch. I love that. She threw up in between. Number two, the baby was delivered, the cord clamped and cut and handed to the pediatrician who breathed and cried immediately. Poor Poor guy. The patient was in his usual state of good health until his airplane ran out of gas and crashed. (laughs) What the heck could they be talking about, really? I saw your patient today who is still under our car for physical therapy. (laughs) The patient lives at home with his mother, father, and pet turtle, who's presently in enrolled in daycare three times a week. That's expensive. (laughs) Examination of the genitalia was completely negative except for the right foot. (laughs) While in the emergency room, she was examined, x-rated, and sent home. The skin was moist, yet dry. The lab test indicated abnormal liver lover function. Lover function. That's That's dangerous. Coming from Detroit, this man has no children. Also, no income. (laughs) Patient was alert and unresponsive. When she fainted, her eyes rolled around the room. Get him. Rectal exam revealed a normal-sized thyroid. 
That is too much. And we're going to be right back with RN's Sarah Collins and Sarah Lasher talking about taking charge and being fearless in the face of Big Hospital Collective. One person can make a difference. Don't go away. Lots more, co- lots more to come. moment my son saw a redwood tree. It's huge! Is the moment I knew that for him? You can't even see the top of that thing! Even the sky has no limit. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go, like hiking, biking, fishing, or camping. Or do your own thing when you get there with family and friends. Your moment is out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. That's discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hey, Billy. Yeah? Do you want to go to the state fair? Yeah. Do you want to ride the roller coaster? Yeah. The big one? Yeah. The one with the reverse flip? (gasps) Yeah! Well, you can't. You see, Billy, when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have done with it, including going to the state fair. Oh, man. Cheer up. This year, your parents will make it right. They're going to visit energysavers.gov, where they'll get tips on how to save energy and money. Then they'll add extra insulation and get a few of those Energy Star appliances. They could save hundreds of dollars a year. And you know what, Billy? What? They'll take you to the state fair (gasps) next year. But I want to go this year. I know you do, Billy. I know you do. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Ranger Station, Ranger speaking. Hi. I'd like to report a bear hug. Uh, okay. Well, before I left my campsite, I was putting out my fire, and out of nowhere, Smokey Bear showed up and hugged me? So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. He likes it when people correctly put out their campfires. He's pretty big on wildfire prevention. He's just letting you know you did good with a uh, hug. He's a hugger. I just got a bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update! All right, I'm going to let you go now. I've got uh, a lot of uh, ranger stuff to do. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. I've always wanted to be a nurse. In between, do I want to be a doctor or a nurse? And for me, the nursing was the part where they got to spend the most time with the patient. That was something I wanted to do. I wanted to be a caregiver. I wanted to make a difference in people's lives. When it comes to changing people's lives, I think that some of the things we do do touch and change people's lives forever. Welcome to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs, along with co-host Shane Mason, and we are two of the thousands of nurses on duty this very minute. So How Casey, many times have I said that, do you think? Thousands of times. 
thousands of times. Are you sick of it yet? No, love it, love it. So Casey, in today's healthcare climate, RNs and other healthcare workers find themselves having to fight large hospital corporations for what they believe are measures that really could make the difference between patients living or dying. So true. As nurses, we take an oath to advocate for our patients, and part of that advocacy means making sure hospitals are held accountable to ensure safe, safe staffing levels. With hospital profits at an all-time high, still cost-cutting measures are a systematic practice, and RN and healthcare workers' benefits are now being used as takeaways under the auspices of the expenses of Obamacare. We have with us today RN's Sarah Collins and Sarah Lasher. They took matters into their own hands as they began to witness, due to the budget cuts, a mass exodus of longtime nurses from their neonatal units at Orlando's Winnie Palmer Hospital, one of eight hospitals run by Orlando Health. So says Sarah Lasher, who works with critically ill infants at Winnie Palmer Hospital, nurses have always prided themselves on providing safe, quality care for our patients. Mm -hmm. Our ability to be strong patient advocates is being seriously tested, and so we have to make the decision to join together and organize with the Professional Nurses Organization, something that more than 5,000 RNs from other hospitals in Florida have already accomplished. Here with us are RN Sarah Collins and Sarah Lasher. Welcome to Nurse Talk, and thanks for being with us. So we're being told that they're not on the line yet. Because they're so, so busy yeah, fighting busy in Orlando lives. right now. You know, this actually has happened in the East Bay. We've talked about this before, yes. Sutter here in the Bay Area. Um, and I've worked in hospitals where they've cut services, they've cut services. We've talked about instances where patients have had to travel long distances uh, in order to get the care that they need, and it makes it dangerous. It's dangerous when that it happens. It does. And you know, Shane, as a Kaiser member, um, I have I have seen sometimes cuts happening even in Kaiser now, mm -hmm. um, which for the most part I've been very happy with my plan. But you know, Obamacare is giving an excuse, I think, to lots of hospitals to turn around and say, "Oh, because of Obamacare, we've got to raise our costs." Like we talked about last week with the gentleman who shopped around to have gallbladder surgery. Yeah. The more that you can advocate for yourself as a patient, the better off you are. Don't don't just don't just take things lying down. When you get a bill from the hospital, go through it and fight those charges that are staggering. You know, $100 for someone to deliver you a, a bedpan. Yeah, and I think we have to take kind of a two-pronged approach. On the one hand, we need to be aggressive. We need to get uh, to make sure and advocate for ourselves. And also, we got to weather this storm a little bit. I think, I really think that 10 years from now, we're going to look back on this like we do with Social Security now. Like, of yes. course we should have this. Yes. Of course this is a great program. I would agree. I think Obamacare is really starting to come into its own. But we do now have on the line Sarah Lasher. So, Sarah, uh, welcome to the show. We're going to start. Hi, thank you. Good, good. We're going to start with you. Um, what unit do you work in, and how long have you been a nurse, and why did you go into nursing? Um, I work in uh, the NICU in Level 3. It's one of our, um, it's our high-acuity nursery, and I've been a nurse for about eight and a half years. Got right out of nursing school, went right into uh, neonatology, so that's what I've done this whole time. And I went into nursing. I was a stay-at-home mom, and um, I had been a medical assistant. And my aunt had passed away from larynx cancer, and she asked me, you know, she said, I think you'd make a great nurse. Promise me that you'll go into nursing. And so I did. Good for her. I'm glad she encouraged yeah. you in that way. Yeah. So th this yeah. Is, sounds like it's been a long journey for you and your fellow nurses. Can you tell us why and how you set out to organize at your hospital? 
Yes. Um, Sarah Collins, my partner in crime, I call her, mm-hmm. um, she uh, started a petition online um, against these pay cuts that had come out in August. And they had issued our pay cuts and just basically said, we're cutting your pay. You have wow. a month to get adjusted to it. Wow. So she started this petition and... I called probably every attorney I could in Florida and said, there's no way they can do this. They can't, they can't cut our pay like this. They can't. And, you know, every response I got was, yes, they can. Do you have a contract? Wow. No? Well, then, yes, they can. So that kind of spurred me to say, okay, I'm done. I'm, we're not going to do this. And we called an NU, and um, they came in, and basically we've been going ever since August. That's great. And so apparently now Sarah Collins on the line as well. So welcome, Sarah. And yeah, just, I'm here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So uh, just to catch up, we're talking about how you guys have started organizing. And where are you working, Sarah number two? You are now Sarah number two, by the way. So Sarah number two. <laughs> um, and so, did you guys just hook um, up because you had the same name? <laughs> it was just a, it was sort of like a perfect match, you know, in more ways than one, including yeah. names, I guess. Yeah, I actually work at Winnie Palmer in the NICU also. I work in the Level 2 NICU. Okay. And how much did they cut your salary? Was it a substantial cut? Oh, it was It was a significant cut. Um, wow. Our shift differential um, previously was based on a percentage of your base pay. Um, so, obviously, you know, the employees who had been there the longest, you know, had the higher base pays, were getting the higher differentials. And then they decided just to drop everybody down to one flat rate. So everybody across the board was making the same amount, and those who had been there the longest um, took the biggest cut. Which sure. Is, you know, pretty much and did they, did, um, did they explain to you why they were doing this? Oh, is, they, they told us the reason that they were cutting our shift differential was to save jobs so they wouldn't have oh, to boy. lay off anybody. I love it when they have mm-hmm. to pit nurse against nurse. Yeah. So as many, uh, before you can attest, organizing in a hospital that's been able to make unilateral decisions like this, uh, it's not easy. So how did the hospital take the news that you were deciding to organize? Um, Well, they basically um, have been fighting us since the announcement of of our organizing activities. They they continue to, um, you know, utilize like anti-union organizations Mm -hmm. and firms and union busters and um, you know, every every move we make, they they throw two punches right back at us. So they're not too happy with it. I bet. Mm-mm. Was it tough to get other nurses to come on board? And was there any retaliation? I would a lot say, of retaliation. I bet a lot of retaliation. Definitely retaliation from the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a challenge to get everybody on board. I mean, we had the people right off the bat who were gung ho all for it, the easy ones, um, but. Orlando Health has created, like, an environment of fear. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And basically, like, union is a bad word there. Um, and they've brainwashed everybody for years. So um, there definitely is fear to overcome with um, some of some of the other nurses. So it is a challenge. Yeah, I would bet it would be yeah. hard to get people on board when you two are suffering some retaliatory uh, problems as a result of being so active. Is it the younger or older nurses, or it, do- it doesn't really reflect that? Younger. Younger. Younger, come it's, on board. Um, yeah, it's the younger. Well, and the funny thing is, like, you know, there's a lot of younger nurses that have just come out of nursing school. Yes. So it's, you have Florida, which is, you know, unfortunately, it's the, you know, right to work state. You're just be grateful that you have a job. Mm. Don't question the authority. Mm. And these girls are already just, oh, I'm just so grateful to work at Winnie Palmer Hospital. 
So, and then, well, it doesn't affect me, and I'm, I'm moving on um, to greener pastures eventually. I'm going to nurse practitioner school, so, um, you know, I'm not really concerned with what's going to happen here. Um, and it's not all the younger exactly. nurses, not, but it's I'm a younger like, nurse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, Sarah's the exception. <laughs> yeah, I'd say the older nurses, they've definitely seen the steady decline over the past year, actually right. over the past couple of years, and more drastically in the past year. So the older nurses are are really upset because things used to be good a couple of years ago, and now they're now they're not so good. So they want they want their their good life back. And so so mm-hmm. let me ask you. So Sarah Lasher, you've had you've been a nurse for eight years. Sarah Collins, how long have you been a nurse? Just about two and a half years. Okay. So okay. so let me let me ask you. So. Uh, you know, where, where I where I teach, I bring up the union idea a little bit and say, listen, you don't think that you're going to need to start making a decision on where you stand with this, but you're going to be faced with this issue very quickly. I, right. I've always had the freedom academically to bring that up, but I have been told it's a bit of a touchy subject. Let me ask you, were you given any preparation through your academic process to uh, come up with some sort of decision-making process for how you wanted to deal with these politics? I, to be honest with you, I, we never got, they never discussed union ever. No one um, talked about it, right? Touchy subject. Well, did you both go to school in Florida? Yes. I did. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, Sarah, I thought you did, yeah. Yeah. I did. So you were given no, did did it even occur to you that you would need to start addressing these issues, or was this total shock? Honestly, no, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. no, and when I first started there, it was, um, I have to say, it was great. Uh, we, you know, the former president, um, John Hillemeyer, that had worked there, he treated his employees well, and there was never any issues. Um, they always put patients first. Um, it always seemed that we did have a voice. Um, I come from a union family, so it was it was a little odd that, you know, the hospitals here weren't unionized, because I know a lot of the nurses up north are, out west are. But um, never really dawned on me that this could ever really happen. I guess I just, I knew in the back of my mind it could, but they never gave us any any indication that they would do this because they always treated us well. Right. Now, tell um, me. Always. We had the trust, the trust and the loyalty in your employer. Mm-hmm. And right. you know, that's, we had no reason to not trust them or to be now, was your right. hospital part of that Orlando Health uh, organization eight years ago when you started? Is that something new, or were you always part of that conglomerate? Um, they've always been Orlando Health. They've always had several campuses. <clears throat> um, what they've recently done is combined uh, Winnie Palmer and Arnold Palmer, and they've called them APMC now. But that's really the only difference. It's always been... Um, they changed their names. It was uh, ORMC, and now it's Orlando Health. But it's always been um, the same, um, the same hospital system. And how has this affected patient care? This cut in uh, salary because you're losing a lot of veteran nurses, and does that not have an impact exactly. on patient care? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's we've had like a we've had like a mini exodus of nurses. We're short staffed mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so patient ratios have increased. Um, you know, wait times in the ER. And even, like, the, the problem used to be before in the ER um, that, you know, they couldn't get the patients up to the floor fast enough because there weren't beds. Now the issue is there are beds available, but there's no nurses to take the patients. Right. So that, you know, backflows into triage, into the emergency room. And um, patient care is absolutely affected when you don't have the, the, the staffing. And right. it's dangerous. It's dangerous for the patients. It's dangerous for the nurses, yeah. our licenses. 
Well, and especially well, and they've in the let NICU. go. Um, they've let go. It's not you know as far as we keep telling everybody, it's not just the nursing staff. They've let go. They've cut back um, pharmacists in our hospital. Yikes! Um, I, they let go. One of the pharmacists they let go um, was a, he specialized in, in in the NICU department. And so now you're seeing um, medications aren't being brought up to our floor on time, and, and that is a huge problem. You know, you, you have to really, now it's, it, that's also affecting the nursing staff. It's like you can't give a med because it's not there on time. Um, so it's situations like that. And, and, of course, the corporation keeps saying, oh, patient care is not affected. But my position is, why don't you come down to our floor and work one night? You know, when we have nurses that one nurse in particular has 36, patient mm. in one night mm. that to me is not putting patient care first it's dangerous no. or i'd ask them to admit their children to that hospital yeah. and see if they'd feel right. safe about and that that's my position is you have family members it's not just think about the big picture of these people that are on the fence you know it's like okay but i want you to put yourself in what if you have to bring a family member to this hospital what if you yourself have to come to this hospital now these floors that are short-staffed um, you're going to be a patient there, or a, a loved one is, and, mm-hmm. and how are you going to feel if they don't get their meds on time, if the nurse is overwhelmed and, and she can't get the patient up to walk, you know, the patient or to, to even um, assess the patient on time. That, that's scary. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. really scary. And so what is the organizing process? Uh, how, how does that process work? What are you guys doing to actually get this up and running? Um, we right now have, uh, we kind of started off with a bang and really we started off full throttle with this. So it was really easy to gain support really quickly. Now we're in the process of, um, we're still collecting cards. Uh, we're still gaining support and, and we're hoping that, um, you know, by the spring we can go ahead and, um, move to trigger an election. So, um, we've been holding rallies, um, we've been flyering, um, we've been, you know, spreading the word. We've developed leaders on every floor. Um, more and more newer nurses are coming on board to join and um, basically just educating everything that we put out. We can, you know, we, we can back that up with, okay, these are the facts, these are the statistics. And the fact that our hospital just announced that they profited $48 million despite, you know, um, not cutting our second round of pay yet. That was a, a huge uh, gain, I think, in our favor, right, Sarah? I would say. Oh, absolutely, um, because you know it really makes them look silly to to be going through with all these pay cuts and basically like crying poor, and then the fiscal, you know, the financial reports show that they're profiting. A non-for-profit organization profited profited fifty million dollars in one quarter, and then proceeded to cut their nurses' pay, their employees' pay. It's just. You know, even people who weren't affected with the pay cuts, you know, look at that as, you know, it's just, it's just crooked. It's almost crooked. Well, and it's worse than being silly. It's downright greedy. That, um, oh, it is. And as it's I've said, corporate greed. And as I've said so many times, the last place we want to be making money is off the sick. Um, I just right. can't think of a worse thing. Now, I understand that in November, a complaint was filed by the National Nurses Organizing Committee Florida with the NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board, five out of eight yes. hospitals run by Orlando Health. Who filed the complaint and what did it al- allege? We had several complaints. Um, it was uh, several different nursing um, staff from different campuses. Um, some of the complaints were illegal surveillance, um, oh, gosh, people Nick. being disciplined for their union activity, um, and then there was uh, 
people being disciplined, uh, surveillance, um, and then not allowing us access to our facility when we're not working to be able to campaign for the union. So you couldn't go into the hospital if you weren't on shift? Right. And, you know, no. Sarah, and I, Sarah and I met with uh, the corporate director of HR, and we, you know, we had a meeting with him, and we said, we're not understanding this. If people, people come up there for baby showers, people come up there for uh, all kinds of uh, retirement Going away parties. away parties. Yeah, right. they have parties on the unit all the time, and they invite all the staff, you know, whether you're working or not. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's an acceptable exception to this rule saying that you can't come, but anything union-related is absolutely prohibited. And, and so, what right, about the surveillance? Are they, do they have cameras? Are they watching you? Um, well, what happened with that was we, um, we found um, there was a letter um, to security. They were basically um, training them on how to watch for, oh, quote, illegal union activity. Oh, um, the security guards, uh, and, and they've, they're, believe me, they're on the same page we are. They were affected, too. Sure. But they were basically, we found this letter um, that leaked out that was training them to watch for that. Now what they're also doing is, um, you know, we found out... And, and this is all hearsay, obviously, but, you know, um, they're, they're showing these, um, you know, um, these videos also to the volunteers to wow. show them how to watch. Um, yeah, they have they the know. volunteers who volunteer at the hospital go to this special training course to how be able sad. to identify, you know, any... How sad that they're activity. roping in the volunteers yeah. for this kind of thing. Well, Sarah exactly. and Sarah, we want to thank you so much for your years in nursing, but especially oh, for being bold enough to yeah, get out nice there and job. fight, yeah. even though the people are retaliating <laughs> on you. You go, girls. You really thank should you. get an award. <laughs> I'm, I'm so proud of you. Thanks for the good fight. We really appreciate it out here in California. Thank oh, you great. for having thank us. Thank you so much. All right. So for more information about this topic, visit NNU.org. Stay with us as our healthcare for all and ACA expert Donna Smith gives us an update on all things Obamacare. You're listening to Nurse Talk. Don't go away. Today, my new dad and I shot off a rocket in the park. Today, my new son and I failed to shoot off a rocket. He knew exactly what to do. I had no clue what I was doing. We set up the rocket. We set up the rocket. Hit ignition. Hit ignition. And then... And then nothing. (laughs) Sometimes I laugh when I'm frustrated. Then out of nowhere, the rocket launched into the air. The rocket did get into the air. I've never seen anything fly so high. And then crashed into a kite. And then the pond. I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget that day, even if I tried. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of kids in foster care will take you just as you are. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Just now, another kid dropped out of school. There's one every 20 seconds. Over 200 kids an hour. That adds up to nearly 5,000 kids every school day. If we do nothing, 3.5 million kids won't receive a diploma over the next four years. But there is someone who can change that. And that someone is you. United Way knows that kids who have a caring adult in their life are more likely to make it. So make a pledge. 
Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because the path to success or failure starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Take the pledge to volunteer now at unitedway.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Yes, with Vitamita Vegemin, you can spoon your way to health. <laughs> All you do is take a tablespoonful after every meal. Now you take some. Oh. <laughs> it's so tasty, too. Just like candy. <laughs> oh. No, 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 no. Look, you're supposed to like the stuff. You've got to smile, be happy. Yes. Now try it again. Yes, sir. Are you unpopular? The answer to all your problems is in this little bottle. A uh, little bottle. Would you mind doing it just once more, please? Uh, yes, with vitamin and vegemin, you can spoon your way to hell. All you have to do is take a big tablespoonful after every meal. Go ahead, please. It's so tasty, too. It's so tasty, too. <laughs> Welcome back to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. We are nurses, so we cannot diagnose, prescribe, or treat. But listen to us anyway, because we like to talk. (laughs) (laughs) And now, Fit Happens, with your host, Joni Greggins. Since the beginning of time, humans have strived to accomplish great feats with their bodies. All in the name of fitness. Unfortunately, modern-day machinery hasn't always lived up to its height. Well, we're going to separate fitness fact from the blightest, and what we may uncover will surprise you. Welcome to Fit Happens. I'm Joni Greggins. Today's fitness fact or blightest question comes from Pamela. Hi, Joni. I have a question for you, and I don't think anybody on the planet can answer it better. I've heard that Wranglers, yes, Wranglers, the people who make jeans, are coming out or have come out with a, a kind of control pant, if you will, that banishes cellulite. Now, please, dear God, either tell me this is true or tell me this is a joke. Uh, either way, I don't think I'll be purchasing them, but boy, am I interested. Thanks, Joni. Well, first of all, the Wrangler smooth leg skinny jeans It's not a joke. They're made from fabric treated with caffeine, well, maybe that is, retinol and algae extract. And all these ingredients are used in products that reduce the appearance of cellulite. Notice I said reduce the appearance, not get rid of it. Now, Wrangler says that 69% of women in clinical trials reported an improvement in the appearance of their thighs. Now, the clinical trial held in France required the jeans to be worn for eight hours a day five days a week during the six-week testing period. Now, all this to reduce the appearance of cellulite. Now, actually, think about it. By wearing the jeans, you don't have to worry about cellulite as your legs are covered. Maybe this should be their pitch. But wait, there's more. It's no longer enough, uh, you know, for our items of clothing to perform just one task. Now, to add to the collection of multitasking clothing, Triumph is set to launch 
bottom moisturizing control pads. Now, each of the pieces in the collection is infused with tiny aloe vera micro moisturizer capsules. And the capsules, which last for 100 washes, start to release moisturizer when they come into contact with your skin. Triumph says its collection will help to keep your nether regions in silky smooth conditions, all while sucking in the flab and keeping it hidden away. I mean, let's say those are the hardest working control pants ever. Now, here's my Fit Happens tip of the week. In honor, we're going to do our own control pants. You're going to do the squeeze. And you can do this anywhere, including your car, okay? Uh, you're going to squeeze your glutes together, all right? You're going to hold for a count of five. Then you're going to release one buttock at a time. You repeat it again. And you do it for five minutes or more. I mean, you should feel a tightening in both your abs and glutes. I'm Joni Greggins. Until next week, remember, Fit Happens. Thanks for listening to Fit Happens. If you have a fitness fact or bullitis question for Joni, call 1-800-977-1863 or fithappens at nursetalksite.com. The opinions expressed don't necessarily reflect those of Nurse Talk LLC or this station. Please seek the advice of a physician before doing any kind of exercise. We cannot guarantee your results will be the same. And if you're from Mars, then we can't help you at all. Welcome back to Nurse Talk. Oh, I'm squeezing. I'm still squeezing. My it's hurting. And five minutes? Exhausted. Oh, my God. Really? Really? Ooh. I've got to go to the bathroom now. <laughs> Just squeeze it. So welcome back to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs along with Shane Mason, and we are two of the thousands of nurses squeezing our glutes as we speak. Uh, our next guest needs little or no introduction. Healthcare for All advocate and Affordable Care Act expert Donna Smith is with us. Donna, welcome. It's always so great to have you with us. And are you squeezing your glutes? That's the first That's question. Are you in pain? <laughs> I was trying. <laughs> <laughs> so first, let's talk a little bit about the Affordable Care Act. Um, the president said in the State of the Union speech that 9 million people had enrolled for health care plans Woo-hoo. through the ACA. So does that mean 9 million people now have health insurance? Or can you break that down a little bit? Sure. Yeah, let me break it down for you a little. The 9 million really equates to 2.1 million people signing up for new private plans through the state and federal exchange. It also includes 3 million young people being added to their parents' insurance, people 26 and under being added who had not had insurance access before, and 3.9 million people becoming Medicaid eligible. So that makes up the 9 million at this point, although shortly after the speech they announced that the 2.1 million private plans has now risen to 3 million private plans since the State of the Union. So we're up to almost 10 million now. Great. So it, it, it is people who have coverage. They, it's not necessarily private insurance, but coverage, yes. So Donna, what deadline should we know about? Well, I think March 31st is the critical one. That's when open enrollment ends for this period. It was extended after some of the computer glitches and so forth made it very difficult for people to get enrolled in a timely fashion. So March 31 is when open enrollment ends. But I would stress to folks, don't wait until March 30th to start doing this. You know, it's smart because you may have to gather some information if you think you're going to qualify for a subsidy. You may have to gather information. You may want to consider options and talk to others about what what they found on the exchange or talk to family members. 
So don't wait till the very end. I'd start. I'd even start now looking, even if you're going to wait to actually take <clears throat> take advantage until yeah, March. It's like any other thing that you know, if you're about to make a major purchase, you'd start researching. So Absolutely. we're we're still hearing stories like Obamacare won't let me have the same doctor. Um, I don't want to pay for birth controls for women, which I get. I mean, I want to make sure they all take them. I don't want to pay for them, but that's a whole other issue. So, you know, my Medicare payment went up because of Obamacare. Can you clear any of this up? Is this yeah, true? sure. I mean, a lot of it is still just a lot of, of half-truths and taking uh, things out of context. You know, it is true that if you change insurance plans and and some doctors are not uh, on one plan that are on another plan, you may need to change providers if you want to stay in network on a new plan. That that happened to me. I had to make a decision that it was more important to me to have a little bit more affordable coverage, a lot more affordable coverage, sure. and have to change providers, and, and I have done so. Um, in terms of what you're going to pay for and what you're not going to pay for, um, you're going to pay for what your coverage is and what your insurance uh, company um, allows under their coverage and Medicare. That's just a half truth. Premiums are premiums were set to rise a little bit anyway, as they have historically for okay. individuals who earn more than eighty-five thousand dollars a year, which isn't too many individuals that I know, or couples with incomes in excess of one hundred and seventy thousand dollars a year. That was already existing law and has nothing to do with Obamacare. So I think that uh, people have to be careful what they attribute to actually being caused by Obamacare and what was already a part of the system. But those, those increases in Medicare premiums are very minimal and not something that most people who are middle or lower income have to even worry about at all. Okay. Well, Donna, i got to point out this bit about birth control pills because it so incenses me as a female because yep. I, I do believe there is a war on women and I do believe this birth control issue is really about getting women out of the workplace. Absolutely. Because uh, let's face it, ladies, we got into the workplace when we can c- control our reproductive rights. So when it comes to your uh, health insurance dollars paying for birth control pills, you know, nobody cares when your health control, your health plan pays for Viagra or Cialis or for the myriad of narcotics or for any number of other drugs, and yet they want to single out this birth control and make that an issue. Um, has not health care plans from the beginning paid for birth control pills? Do you know? Yes, most have. But there's yes. been, you know, it's been interesting under Obamacare. There's been legal challenges. I think many folks have followed the the legal challenge by some businesses that they have objections based on their religious beliefs that say mm. they shouldn't have to pay for birth control and that they'll be forced to do so. And I, I like you, I just find it ridiculous, Casey. And it, it does. It makes me so angry. You know, and until you know, first of all, women don't get pregnant on their own either. Right? As far what? as I know, that doesn't happen on your own. <laughs> yeah, and, you, you know, until we st- until we stop, you know, singling out women for targeting on this yes. issue. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Now, I want to switch gears a bit, Donna. We've made no secret that you're facing some health challenges yourself and thus have been in the eye of the storm trying to get affordable insurance so you can pay for your monthly medical bills. Where are you now with this, and how are you feeling? Well, I'm, you know, I'm still in the midst of some um, cancer issues and some diagnostic and treatment stuff, but 
the, the amazing thing for me is, and I'm a, a very staunch supporter of Medicare for All and single payer, so I was prepared to not like almost everything about Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act. And yet on the 1st of January, I switched over to a Kaiser plan from a COBRA plan. The COBRA plan had been costing me $875 a month in premium just for me. And I switched over to a Kaiser plan that was $456 a month. And even though the Colorado Exchange hadn't done a very good job of getting Kaiser my enrollment information, that it was just almost a, a seamless transition for me. I was very nervous about it, nervous about changing to a new provider, nervous about needing care and not being able to get it. And I have to say I have been so pleasantly surprised that Kaiser really, for me, made it very easy to make this transition and to get the care that I needed. So, you know, I think people will be pleasantly surprised in most cases, not all. There are going to be glitches. Insurance companies are still insurance companies, and they're still going to play games. But there does now seem to be at least a recourse for people to go back if there are problems and have someone stand with them accountable to say what's going on with this. But for me, I'm very grateful that I've been able to get coverage that costs me about half as much every month. And to be able to access care is a good thing. Very good. Yeah, and and, you know, Donna, Casey and I were talking earlier, I, I really feel like 10 years from now, we're going to look back on this, like, Social Security and just be like, of course this should be in place. And, and thank God we yes, made the step. Yes, it was step. rough for you. You know, I think a few years from now, you're going to look back on your transition. It was a, a little rough and be like, that was a blip in the radar if I look at the overall benefits. I, I hope that's the way we feel, and I think that it is going to be the way that we feel. Um, so can people buy ACA exchange policies from an insurance broker? And if they do, are they uh, exactly the same, including price or these different things? Yes, they can go through a broker, and they can get policies on the exchange. The broker can help them go through the exchange. Now, there are still policies that are available outside the exchanges that people can can purchase, but they won't be required. Those plans won't be required to cover the things that the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, requires be covered in order for the plan to be on the exchange. Mm -hmm. So I think people have to be very, very careful. But in terms of going to a broker, you certainly can go to a broker, many of whom have been trained by the exchanges to offer the offer the training and, and do the enrollment process with people. Prices will be exactly the same on the exchange. They can't charge you more. So some people are just flat more comfortable going to someone and sitting down. You may even see signs out in the community, you know, enroll for health insurance. Here. Yeah where you can go to those places and sit with someone face-to-face who walks you through the process. And certainly, if you're more comfortable with that, you should do it. I think it's, you know, oftentimes face-to-face works better. Yeah, there's one of those places in my neighborhood I was walking by, and I was going from, I was getting a crepe, and then I was getting a bubble jello, and then I was getting pad thai. <laughs> on a and then you were going to do those glutes. And then she was right, going to do some do desk push-ups to put on some masks. And then he went right in and got some uh, health care. Yeah, and so they had a covered <laughs> California health care little outlet there. You could walk in and talk to someone on a Sunday afternoon. There it was great. There was family strolling by. There was people inside there, so it was, it was really good. It was good to see. I like yeah, that. Yeah, there you go. And, and I have to agree with Shane. And tell me if you agree, Donna. I do think, I think in just another year, Obama's care is going to be very successful, and people are going to be having a very difficult time continuing to knock it. 
I think it won't take very long. I think the unfortunate part is we're entering another election year. That's you know, true. we're in 2014, so we're going to hear a lot of garbage coming from those who want to undo. And, so, you know, the Congress has voted so many times now to repeal, 40. like more than 40 times now, to repeal the Affordable Care Act. I mean, talk about it. We have so much that needs to be done in this country, and yet they spend all their time voting to repeal Obamacare. And when in reality, you know, there's millions of people out there like me who are finding, even though we had great concern going into it, that there is so much that's helpful about yeah. the Affordable Care Act. And I think as millions more people find that out, they'll be able to share that with more people and say, hey, don't listen to that, all that brainwashing that's happening on the other side about how dangerous it is and the government's taking over your care and somebody's going to tell you what to do and so forth. It's just ridiculous. And I think we will get to a spot where we're going to be smarter and wiser and we're going to say, no, this was a step we needed to take along the way to get us to the spot where we have one single standard of care for everybody without financial barrier. Yeah, Hallelujah. I agree. So we've been talking with ACA expert and health care for all advocate Donna Smith. For more information about the Affordable Care Act, visit healthcare.gov or your state marketplace exchange, which we have listed on our website at nursetalksite.com. Donna, as always, we really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on and taking some time with us. Hey, Thank you, Donna, and stay healthy. We'll Absolutely. be right back with health trivia and your email questions. Don't go away. Lots more show to come. As I went through school, one giant question loomed over me. What did I want to be? But in order to know what I wanted to be, I had to first decide what I wanted to make. I wanted to make more. So I became a teacher. Now I make learning a privilege, not a chore. And frustration, a tool, not an obstacle. I make working hard seem easy and giving up impossible. I make an old subject feel like a fresh thought and unconventional methods common. I make material things less important, and little things like patience and kindness count. I make weekdays more exciting than weekends, and classrooms feel like anything but. I make things different, which is all I ever hoped for. I'm a teacher. I make more. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. Hey America, we're your pets, and this song's dedicated to those people who don't have health insurance yet. In So don't accept defeat Now you can get covered and still Buy me treats Enroll! So listen to me A talking pug, you see If you get health insurance Preventive care is now free So sweet You take care of your pets Now it's their turn to take care of you Visit GetCoveredAmerica.org To learn about your health insurance options That's GetCoveredAmerica.org And take care, people. Brought to you by Get Covered America and the Ad Council. 
Welcome back to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. So, Casey, I hired a personal consultant to help me out with the show, and you know what he said to me? What did he, he say? He said, number one, take sunglasses off. Number two, all materials relating to health <laughs> trivia are the sole responsibility of Nurse Talk LLC and not affiliated with any network or stream service airing our broadcast. Good, sure. and I like the sunglasses, yeah, so I think you, you should keep them. Mm-hmm. Our health trivia question this week is, what is angioedema? If you know the answer to this question or you're the first to look it up and email us or call us, you will win a $25 gift certificate to Starbucks. So you can email us at contest at nursetalksite.com or call us at 1-800-977-1863. Last week's question, Shane, what is Pes Planus? Pes Planus is what you get when you're in Winnie Palmer in Orlando, Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. I love the Winnie Palmer Hospital. That's just too funny. And then they have an Arnold Palmer. I I, I have to say, I make fun of those two and they combine (laughs) the two. It's hysterical. (laughs) So what's Pes Planus? Pes Planus is really flat feet. And I have to say, I'm very happy for flat feet because it kept my dad out of the war. And as a result, I have flat feet. Maybe maybe that's why you're here today. That's it. I'm here today because of Pest Planet. So our Thank winner you, was, Pest did Planet. you already say this? Our winner was no. Teresa Ward listening to us on Indiana Talk Radio. Indiana. Woo! So Thank you for, for listening, listening, Teresa. And we'll send you your gift certificate. So, Casey, it's time for email questions. Email questions, one of my favorite segments. Let's get busy. Dear nurses, love your show. That's all she said. Love your show. I just That's love it. Thanks good. for thanks for calling us. We appreciate Not so it. Thanks much of for a email. Question, really, love but... your show and wanted to sneak this question in. I'm a bus driver and I sit all day. Of course, what comes along with that is infrequent bathroom breaks. Now it gets personal. By the time I do have a break, I'm constipated. The breaks are so short sometimes I have to, well, cut it short if you know what I mean. Consequently, I'm constipated beyond comfort. I now have hemorrhoids, and I'm totally miserable. I drink coffee by the gallons, thinking that might free me up. (laughs) Wrong answer. I have taken a laxative or two, but they didn't do anything. I'm now prone to mood swings and panic that I won't have time to empty the tank, if you know what I mean. And what I mean is uh, you keep saying it. Do you have some simple remedies? I don't have time to go to the doctor. Thanks for any help you can give me. Marty from Sacramento. Now, what Marty didn't say is his his name is actually Marty Farty. (laughs) And this is just what you need. In his case, probably not because he is constipated. Marty Farty did not go to the party because... So How this long is did just what you need. That, and what's is so a, funny is that I think it's funny. It's a jacked up bus driver <laughs> that's been doing glute exercises all day, so right. you didn't have to dump your kids off yes. at the corner and that's run right. Into, and yeah. he's going to crash into the nearest uh, place that he can go to the bathroom. So, but this is a co- chronic problem for bus drivers because they do get infrequent breaks. They're not enough time, and sitting all day is the worst thing you can do for constipation. So what can we say to good water, old Marty? Water, 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 water. Move, 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 Drink move, lots move. Of water. Yeah, do some, do some. Get now, a little Now I wonder exercise. if when he pulled over to pick up people, if he could get up out of his seat and just uh, stretch a little, stand up and stretch a little. Uh, yeah, I mean that's possible. And if um, he is blowing a lot of gas, he'll have less people on the bus. So what's his? <laughs> what's your diet like? So you want to make sure that you've got some fiber in your diet. It's are true. you eating some vegetables? Are you, you know, are you eating nothing but, you know, cheese and dairy products? So take a look at your diet. Drink lots of water. Get a little bit of exercise. And move before you get in that bus and after you get in the bus. So it wouldn't be a bad idea to swim or walk or do some exercise pre and post job 
eight hours of sitting. That's a rough gig, man. It's very rough. I think about the muni drivers here in the city, and that is a job I wouldn't want to have. Between crap, and between the double parkers and the one-way streets. Oh my God, I can't believe it. Just darting, and I'm darting in and out because there's so many slow drivers in this city. It drives me crazy. So we got another one, dear nurses. My dad, who is 89, used to be so clean and always wore nice clothes. Lately, I go to his house, and he hasn't taken a bath in days. He has the same pants on that he had on the week before, and he mistakes his pajama tops for shirts. Mm -hmm. It seems like this has happened overnight. He lives alone now, but I think he's in pretty good health. Is he just tired, or should I be worried? This is from JDL and Quincy Mass. And, Janie, your dad's just on a bender. I mean, it just (laughs) happens sometimes. No, I got to say, as working in long-term care, this is so very common. When you get older, showers really seem to be the death nail. They just people just don't like to take off their clothes and get in a shower, and also they're just not aware of the odor that comes with not bathing and not washing your clothes. So what you can do for your dad is ask him if you can help with his laundry. In fact, take his laundry home with you, do it, and bring it back the next day, and give him some reality check and say, Dad, you have the same pants on that you had last week. I want to take those. Can you go get a new pair of pants, and I'll take those and launder them for you? That's the first thing. There are people that you can hire to come in and help him out, maybe help him take a shower, Uh, do his clothes, maybe make a meal. Because as you age, it gets harder and harder to do self-care. And when you start seeing these changes, it is a sign that your dad isn't doing as well as you think. And he needs some help. That great program that we had last week about people getting involved in cities would be a great thing for you to sign up for and for your dad to sign up for. Now, I hired someone to take my pants off once, and I spent a (laughs) night in jail. So you want to make sure that you uh, do this in the proper context. Well, Shane, you were in your car at the same time, so that was really a problem. So, Janie, another thing I would say, too, is this seems very basic, but see if there's any sort of altered level of consciousness. Yes. So, So what? And you can even tell your dad, like, listen, I know it seems silly, Dad, but what day is it? Do you know what day it is? Do you know what month it is? Do you know what year it is? Basic general fund of knowledge. Who's the president right now? And then you see if he's unable to answer questions like this, then this points to maybe there's some sort of uh, uh, level of consciousness change. It would be more of a medical condition. But my guess is yes. Casey's right on, and this is just him slowing down a but bit. But it could be the early signs of mild cognitive impairment, which is the precursor to dementia. And that is very common. And it happens so very gradually to people that they're not aware of it. So as Shane says, you know, talk to your dad. The thing that I find the most problematic is that when kids notice changes in their parents, they don't talk about it. They don't say to their dad or their mom, hey, I'm noticing you're wearing the same clothes. Now, I will tell you that with my mother, when I went over and I said, mom, you're in the same pants, she said, what's it to you? I like them. (laughs) Some fly pants. That's the issue there. The pants you got me, I hate. I like these pants. So you might might get some resistance because, of course, people don't want to say there's anything wrong with them. So uh, be gentle with with your dad. And um, Yeah, and remember, you should always go see an MD or an NP if this absolutely. is something that you're especially concerned about. Uh, and what do we got next? We got another email question? We have another email question. Let's do it. Dear Nurse Talk, I know your nursing careers, you've seen it all. 
Well, my question is pretty simple by comparison. Here goes. And please don't ignore me just because, yes, I only have a cold or symptoms of the flu. Here's the deal. About 10 days ago, I started coming down with a cold, sniffling, sneezing, feeling punk in general. Someone told me to get airborne and start taking it right away. I did, and it seemed to hold the pesky cold at bay. That was good, but now, 10 days later, I'm still taking airborne, and I'm still not full-blown sick, but I fear if I stop taking the airborne, the real deal will come roaring in and I will be bedridden. Is it better to take your lumps and let the thing play itself out instead of trying to stop it so it just lingers? I'm willing to put the airborne aside and let it rip. Please advise. Mary in misery, sort of. Yeah, these airborne junkies. They just wear on you. You try to help them. You try to help them. They <laughs> well, the first no thing insight. is get out of the airport because the air is so much better outside. <clears throat> so what should she do? Well, you know, there's uh, the two schools of thought. There's two schools of thought of this, and I would be one for stopping the airborne and letting it take its course. The airborne ain't helping. The only it thing that definitely helps with the cold is zink, and it's too late to catch. Doesn't it with airborne zinc. have zink? Maybe it's got a little zinc, but you got to hit the, hit it with lots of zinc every three hours. And you got to so, do that early on, though. Yeah. So you're already too just, far into it. So I say, cold, let go of the airborne. It's not going to kill you the cold. Now, if you start go to develop any nausea and vomiting, if you have a fever that That's goes true. on for several days, if you start to get dehydrated, any altered level of consciousness, you, you want to go, go to the get doctor checked out immediately. For right now. Immediately, like because it is kind of serious. So if you'd like to, please tweet us at hashtag at nurse talk. Email us at Shane at nursetalksite.com or you can call us at 1-800-977-1863. A special thanks to the California Nurses Association and National Nurses United for their support of Nurse Talk. Also a big thank you to our executive producer, Patty Lockard, the team at TalkStream Network, Taylor Lockard, Social Networking and Progressive Voices Tune In and all of the wonderful broadcast partners that we have. Thanks, thank everyone. you so much for listening. Remember to laugh, you gotta listen. See you next week. <laughs>